momentous occasion and that is uh, as those of you who've been here you know many of you are visitors maybe you haven't been here very long uh, you know just to get you caught up uh, um, you know and by the way I'm not going to do an exegetical message here today there's uh, we did read a couple of passages we're not going to talk about those passages specifically they were just there to get you to start thinking about the word of God but you know, it's been 16 months, uh, exactly the 1st January in 2021 that we started this series that we call the whole counsel of God. And, and that, that phrase, the whole counsel of God, it actually comes, if you were not aware, from um, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, where Paul is speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he uh, tells them that I did not uh, neglect to speak to you the whole counsel of God, right? And that's where we got we got the name of the series from. And, uh, you know, we have gone through the entire scripture. Uh, we've zoomed in, we've zoomed out. Uh, or as uh, as um, as my good uh, brother, Rebichain, uh, as we call him affectionately, uh, used these very eloquent words. He called it the bird's eye view and the worm's eye view. So we've done both, right? I've never, I've heard of bird's eye view, never heard of worms eye view till 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 Rebbe brought it up but I thought that that reflected it very well we went down a little bit into the weeds we went back up and uh, so we've done a survey of of scripture we've been we've seen the big picture or if we tried at least to see the big picture to get a sense of the story of the bible the story of scriptures and the reason we did this it was specifically thought about it was prayed about uh, was really because we felt like many among you, especially the younger ones, you know, you've never really seen all of Scripture. You've never really studied all of Scripture. And when we talk to you, you know, you ask how much of the Scripture have you read? You know, usually it's I've read the Gospels or I've read Psalms and Proverbs. And, you know, that's not, that's not what uh, God really intended for us when he gave us the Scriptures. Uh, you know, it is, it is one entire story and we wanted that to come out through this series. So, you know, my hope as we, uh, as we come to the end of the series and we'll be starting uh, another one uh, in a couple of weeks on the starting with the book of Luke and then Acts where we'll go much deeper into those two books. Uh, my hope is that you have all got a sense of the structure of the word of God about how it tells us the, the larger story about life, uh, the larger story about the human condition, uh, about why the world is the way that it is and, and about God's love for us and about the relevance of Christ's sacrifice that we remembered this morning and we remember every week about how, uh, you know, that sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ was not just some random event that happened in history, but rather it is part of a narrative that goes all the way back to creation and, and in fact even even prior to creation, into eternity past, into the mind and the plan of God. So my hope is that this series will prompt each of you to dig deeper. And if you haven't listened to all the messages, you know, they're all there on, um, I mean, you can name it, it's there, it's on YouTube, it's on our website, it's on, uh, where is it, Philip? Instagram? I don't know. Huh? Huh? You don't know? Okay. No Instagram. Okay, it's on a podcast somewhere. 
yeah okay uh, uh, the uh, spotify thank you that's the one i use yeah uh, you know spotify it's on a podcast so it doesn't matter when you're traveling around go listen to all the messages you don't have to listen to all i don't think we had 52 or 55 messages right charlie um you know but but pick the the main ones and listen to it again right so so i hope that this will prompt you to dig deeper into the word of god to mine the truth of the word of god uh you know to be renewed by it to be transformed by it you know the bible is such a storehouse of riches for life uh you know proverbs 2:4 uh speaking of the words and commands of god as the source of wisdom here is what it says in proverbs 2:4 it says if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures how do you search for hidden treasures you know you go into a mine and you dig 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 right till you reach deep in uh that's the way we are supposed to you know that's what we're supposed to do with the word of god then it says you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god you know i can i can tell you this very genuinely that that you know i really love the word of god okay um and uh, you know i've been seriously studying since i was i don't know about 21 years old so almost 35 years uh you know and and there's not a day that goes by when i'm in the word of god that something new doesn't come up there's not a message that i hear from one of the other others up here every sunday that some new thought doesn't come in there's not a circumstance where when i go through it and then i go back to the word of god i get some new insight and that's why that's why the word of god says that it is it is living it is living and sharper than a two edged sword it's not it's not some novel it's not some some book that somebody wrote at some point in time and and it stays the same and nothing changes it's it it's it's a living it's the living true word of god and and you know it really needs to be central in your life and in my life it needs to be central in the life of the believer so what am i going to do today today i'm going to try to bring all of this back together again and focus on how the scripture starting with creation and ending with the restoration of all things that we've been talking about the last few weeks raventh took us through the book of revelation and thank you raventh i mean that was one of the clearest expression to be honest with you i'm one of those people i've stayed away from revelation okay um you know because uh, it's always scared me it still scares me uh, i feel a little better after raventh went went through it uh, but um, you know the lord is returning and that is such an important part of the of the gospel story you know i i want to um you know bring out today uh that that all of this is part of one unified gospel story and how it's so relevant to our lives today and we're going to use uh, a, a bit of a new maybe it's not new but a, but a different framework to tie it all together a framework around the the entirety of the gospel story but just to get us started you know as i said i always put this picture up for one last time because i spent a lot of time drawing up this picture when we did the first lesson so so look at it uh, you might never see it again um you know uh, but uh, killing aside you know uh, just a quick overview right so we looked at the old testament and the new testament you know all 66 books of the bible and we divided them up into 
into three sections, right? We took the Old Testament, New Testament, and you can divide it broadly into three sections. The first section is the foundational book. So you have in the foundational books, it lays out the foundational doctrines or the foundational truths that form the basis of life. And it starts off in the Old Testament with the creation story and God calling Abraham. And we'll come back to that in a minute. And then the next section is the historical book, which depicts how the people of the day who were given these foundational truths lived it out, right? How did they, how did they go about uh, living it out in their day-to-day life? Uh, and how did they do? And we find, as we found in the Old Testament, you know, uh, it presented us with all of their successes and all of their failures. And then we see this next category, which is the instructional books in the Old Testament, which is made up of some poetic books. It's made up of some prophetic books. And these are books that expand on those foundational truths and address the specific issues uh, and the problems that resulted as the people tried to live out those foundational truths. So as the children of Israel in the Old Testament were living out those truths in the, in the first five books of Moses, they ran into all kinds of problems as we know. They ran into sin problems, they ran into idolatry problems, they ran into all manner of problems and the prophets, the the wisdom, people who wrote the wisdom literature, they, they spoke back into that history, uh, giving them instruction, you know, telling them where they were going wrong, telling them to come back, uh, you know, talking about the judgment and all those kind of things. And then in the New Testament, we had the same, same thing, the foundational books, right? So the, the books about um, uh, that, that uh, you know, that um, uh, uh, the, 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 the Gospels, rather the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels, which talked about Christ, laid the foundational doctrines. And then we have the church in the historical book. There's only one book, the book of Acts. And in the historical book, they presents the beginning of the church and how the church continued to grow. And then in the instructional section, you had the uh, 22 books, which are what we call the epistles that talk about uh, about uh, you know the doctrines of the church and again instruction to how the people were to live out their lives in the church and then of course the final consummation of all things. So that's sort of the very high level bird's eye view and in between we looked at the 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 400 silent years. I'll come back to that a little later. Let's let's just do, and then of course we have right there is where the the Lord Jesus Christ comes you know and he dies on the cross and, and that's the center point of all of this biblical history. So I'm just going to, uh, I don't know if you can see all this, we'll send you the slides, Ben will will send you, send that out to you afterwards and thank you Ben and all the guys who've been printing all those notes and everything for over these last uh, you know year and a half. Uh, but let's just delve in just a little bit deeper, right? So in the foundational books of the Old Testament, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we call it the Pentateuch, the five books authored by Moses. And here we see the story of creation and the fall and how God calls out Abraham and makes the promises of, the, of land and seed and a blessing and says that in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And he speaks, it also speaks of how God, uh, you know, the, the children of Israel, the chosen people of God through whom he was supposed to bring the blessing uh, you know, to the to the world, how they go into captivity, right? They go into captivity in Egypt, how God redeems them from there. And we see a beautiful picture of salvation as they're brought out of miraculously from slavery in Egypt. And, uh, and God gives them the law, a law to live by, right? And again, a law which is the what we call the old covenant. And then when we come into the historical section, the children of Israel, they try to live. They try as hard as they can to live according to God's laws, but they fail miserably 
right? And then they go from judges to the kings and, um, and ultimately to apostasy, which leads to captivity and exile. Uh, and the prophets come and warn them, but that doesn't change the end result. And ultimately, God brings, they go into captivity to Babylon and um, Persia and all those nations. And ultimately, God brings them back into the land. He brings a remnant back into the land under Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel. And then we see the instructional books which speaks into that history. So there is uh, poetic books of instruction. There's prophetic books that call the people back to obedience and a warning of judgment. And then we come to the intertestamental period which, where God is completely silent for 400 years. And yet when we studied that, we saw that though he was silent, he wasn't absent. Right? He wasn't absent. He was preparing the ground for the arrival of his son, the Messiah. We see all the things that happened you know, so that, you know, as, as, uh, as Paul the Apostle says, you know, that at the appointed time, you know, God sent his son, born of a woman, into the world, right? And what was that appointed time? It was, it was the fact that there was this Roman Empire that had been established, that had unified the, the nations of the world at the time, uh, the known world at the time, had unified them under one system of government, had unified them under one language, and uh, had prepared this road system, which later on became the, the vehicle for the, uh, to facilitate the spread of the gospel. And, and, and in those 400 years, God was continuing to work. And you know, we are now in a similar period, aren't we? We are through with all of that and we are waiting as Raven covered for us in the last two weeks. We're waiting for that glorious return of the Lord and it's been, what, about 2,000 years roughly, right? Uh, and we might be thinking, where is God? Why is He not coming as we, as we look at the, the things going on in the world around us, as we see the proliferation of sin? You know, it's very easy for us to to wonder if this is really all going to happen. And that's, that's how it was in those 400 years. The, the Jewish people were like, where is God? Has he forgotten us? And they were, being, they were being hammered by all these different kings, the Roman rulers coming in and desecrating the temple and doing all of these things. And uh, they were fighting a rebellion uh, you know, against, uh, against the oppressors. And, and we're now in this period where we are waiting for the next big event, which is, as we saw, the rapture of the church and then followed later by the return of Christ. But we can be assured that God is preparing the ground and the circumstances. And at that appointed time, which only He knows, you know, only the Father knows, um, you know, we will enter into those end times and Christ will, will return. And then uh, as we go to the right there a little further, you know, we saw in the, in the New Testament, the foundational books, we saw the birth of Christ his life, his teachings. We looked at some of those things. We had messages on the Sermon on the Mount and other teachings. And they are the foundation of the church age. So, so Christ came into the world. He inaugurated this new age that we call the church age or the age of grace. He inaugurated the new covenant which was the successor to the old covenant. And it culminates in the death of Christ and his resurrection and the giving of the great commission. And then in the historical book of Acts, it presents the formative days and the years of the church, how it began, how it spread, how it went from, you know, from J Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the world, including, you know, our part of the world here. And then in the instructional books, the epistles of Paul and other apostles, they lay out the doctrines and the practical manifesto for this church age, how we are to live, um, what is to happen after salvation. Okay, you get saved. Okay, Christ is going to return. What happens during this period? How are we to live? 
our lives and it also lays out of course the end time so this is the this is the the sort of structure that we followed and we had different messages all over the place i'll come back and look at that a little later but you know the important thing that i want to dwell on here is the unity of the bible you know the bible despite all of the diversity right the bible is two testaments composed of 66 books may written by 40 authors of different nationalities backgrounds and social standing i mean you you look at the authors you know moses was a prince you know peter was a fisherman john was a fisherman matthew was a tax collector uh, amos was a, a sheep sheep breeder right you have farmers you have fishermen you have kings you have shepherds you have all these different people um you know and it's it's written over over 1500 years okay now now when you even if you take a book written written by one author right sometimes if you look carefully you can find sometimes something he writes in the in the beginning or something he writes later doesn't quite match up right it's it's not an easy thing to do it takes months to write a book you might forget that oh well i developed this character this way and now i've gone to sadhu way but you know the beauty of the bible is that it is one unified story despite the 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 1500 years despite different authors dif- from different backgrounds different genres of literature all of these things it's one unified story and it has one hero and that hero is jesus the messiah savior of human kind you know he came into the world the whole story from the beginning you know starting in um, in genesis where man sins and god promises that seed of the woman a redeemer would come and crush the serpent said all the way to the very end to revelation chapter 20 uh, the last chapter of revelation you know where he's coming back and he's setting up uh, the new heavens and the new earth and the new jerusalem you know it's a story the hero of this story is this one individual jesus the most important individual ever in the history uh, of the world you know and 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 let's just go back to that picture you know and just look very quickly at how do we see jesus throughout the scripture so as i said when you go back to the old testament foundational books right we see the promise of the redeemer in genesis 3 uh, and then the call of abram and why did god call abram is it just because he decided that you know okay abram seems like a good guy no he said it was abram was what was abram abram was an idol worshipper okay um there was nothing in him god decided to call him why so that you know after the sin of man and after the flood and all those things he wanted a people and the only reason he called out this people israel was again not because they were special not because they had done anything to earn it but it was purely to call a people out of which the lord jesus christ the messiah would come later right and then we see the sacrifices in the old testament you know that point to christ you know we were reminded of that uh, this morning we saw that that incident uh, the brother uh, took um, uh, us back to that incident of uh, you know abraham sacrificing uh, or being called to sacrifice his son isaac which is again a picture of the sacrifice of christ so we see these pictures of christ throughout the old testament then when we come to the historical books of the old testament we see how god uses david um, or god raises up david as the king and preserves that line of david and and when you look at all the things that are happening in the kingdom of judah and the split with israel and all that god was carefully preserving that line of the messiah the lord jesus who was to come and in the instructional books we see prophecies about jesus that he would be born in bethlehem that he would be born to a virgin and that he would be the suffering servant of isaiah 53 and then when we come to the new testament foundational books of course that is 
entirely the story of Jesus, his birth, his life, his resurrection. And then the New Testament historical book of Acts is about the fulfillment of his great commission, the, the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ. And then the instructional books in the New Testament are also talking about Jesus' kingdom teachings. How do we make those teachings real uh, in, in our life today? How do we deal with situations and problems that come up when we fail as we try to live by them and uh, making them very practical for us and pointing us forward to his return? So you can see how the entire scripture is the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells that story of everlasting life, of eternal life, through the Lord Jesus. And I'm not going to go through these. I've got some verses up there. You can follow it along. You know John 5.39. Jesus himself says. He says to the, the Pharisees. He says. You study the scriptures diligently. Because you think. That in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures. The scriptures that you study. That have eternal life. That have the words of eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have Life, John 5 verse 39. And then Jesus says himself in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus says in Revelation 22 and verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So, so even the Lord Jesus, you know, when he talks about it, he says, you know, the scriptures, you know, history is all the story about me. It tells a story of everlasting life through the Lord Jesus. And then, you know, the entire Bible is the story of the gospel. And that's what I want to spend most of our time today is talking about the gospel. So we all know gospel means good news. But, you know, I wonder sometimes we get a little bit of a, uh, a view or, a, or a, you know, if I, if I were to ask somebody to tell me the gospel, you know, I suspect that what comes back from many of us would be a very limited view of the gospel. And I want to take us today to a much more expansive view of the gospel. Because, you know, the gospel is not just about Jesus coming and dying on the, on the cross and paying the penalty for our sins and then if you believe in him, you're saved. Okay? End of story. That's not the entirety of the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the crux of the gospel. But it is not the entirety of the gospel. And, um, you know, the gospel is not just about getting people saved. And, and this, is, this is a, 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 a sort of a, a damaging, uh, you know, thought, thinking that we have that limits the gospel to just about telling somebody, you know, this is how you get saved and that's the end of the story. It is not the end of the story. You know, the gospel, I've got a little definition here uh, that says the gospel is the good news that we are part of the bigger story of God's redemptive mission. Okay, the gospel is a story of God's redemptive mission, but it also, you know, the, the, the beauty of it is that we, we are a part, God has brought us into that bigger story of his redemptive mission, and all our lives and all our work, whether work in ministry or work outside the context of the church, has redemptive value. Okay, and... Uh, this is a, a definition I picked up from, uh, from a little pamphlet uh, from City to City. Um, so Jerry, uh, Brother Jerry and myself, we've been going to this training and it's been, it's been quite useful for us. So a lot of the material I'm, I'm presenting today because it ties together the entire Word of God into a very good framework that I want to share with you. Right? So God invites us into the story of redemption and we, through our redeemed life, okay, we are to become the vehicle to bring others into 
that redemptive relationship with Christ. You see, God uses us to spread that gospel story by having that gospel work in our own lives to transform us. And that's what I want to get to today. So I'm going to, I'm going to present this framework. Um, uh, gradually, we'll build it up. There's a lot of fine print here, which I don't think you'll be able to read. Um, the gospel is for all of life, okay? Uh, but, um, but anyway, we'll send this out to you, so you should be able to see it, okay? So here is what I was talking about here, which is, you know, when we think about the gospel, what is the gospel? You know, it was man sin. Christ came, Christ died, you believe in him, you have eternal life, okay? So that is absolutely part of the gospel and I've got some verses there. So, you know, there's two parts to that, the typical gospel story, right? One is the fall and the other is redemption. So the fall is described for us in Genesis 3.23 where it says, so the Lord God banished him uh, from the Garden of Eden, that is banished the man from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So man fall, fell, right? Humanity rebelled. If you can read that, humanity rebelled in weakness and in temptation. Humans made a decision to live life on their own terms, to idolatrously pursue a life apart from God. You know, humans became separated from God. Through them, violence and ineptitude and corruption and all manner of evil and brokenness perpetuate in the world. And in response, what does God do? He calls forth the family of Abraham to be his blessing in the world, but they fail, right? And because they are also fallen. Uh, and the world is left in the same violent state. So that is all about the fall. But then, you know, the next element of that is, is this idea of redemption or this, this concept of redemption. And we see this in Ephesians 1 and verse 7, which says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So that was not the end of the story, right? What we just saw in the fall was not the end of the story. Jesus, God's own son, steps into the world. You know, he becomes God in the flesh, the perfect divine human. On the cross, Jesus dies for all sin. He carries all of it on our behalf. All the brokenness of the world is poured out onto him. After three days, he resurrects. He makes a spectacle of the powers and he triumphs over sin and Satan and death. And by believing through faith that Jesus' death and resurrection paid for your sins, paid for my sins, paid for our sins, we receive his life, his joy, his perfection, his beauty, his security, his approval, his power, and we receive it today. All right, justification is something that happens once. It is a once-for-all event. It happens at the moment you trust by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the crux of the gospel. But you know, to really understand this, this is, a, this is sort of a limited view, right? And so we're going, to, we're going to take this a step further and go to a slightly more expanded view where we add two more things, right? One is the creation and then the restoration. So if you want to understand the fall, you know, why did the fall matter? Why does it matter that, you know, man didn't obey something that somebody said? Well, it goes back to creation, right? So, in creation, you know, we see, uh, of course, in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, God creates the world to be very good. So, so how did we end up in this fallen state? What is that how God created? No, we saw that in Genesis 1 and 2. God creates the world to be very good. Man and woman are made in the image of the Trinitarian God and they live in perfect relationship with Him. You know, why does it, why does man need a relationship with God 
you know it's because god is our creator he created us in his own image he intended for us to live in perfect relationship with him and with each other and with all of creation and we are social beings in perfect relationship that's the way that god created that's that's the state in which god created man and woman and left them in that garden of eden and there was no hint of sin or spiritual death in this world right and then it's only in that context that the fall makes sense right this was the fall happened in a perfect world right this is what god created this was so when when people ask questions like why why is there evil in the world right that is not you know how can or how can a good god allow evil you know good god did not allow evil good god created a perfect world where everything was perfect there was not even a hint of sin and then you know it's not enough to just stop with the fact that you are saved but there is a glorious hope that comes with salvation and that is what we call the restoration and then we see that in revelation 21 verses 1 and 5 it says then i saw a new heaven and a new earth and he who was seated on the throne said i am making everything new we saw this last couple of weeks uh, when raven spoke to us the restoration you know one day we will experience that perfect restoration what what god created in the garden of eden he is going to recreate again jesus will return and every system built on all kinds of oppression economic oppression you know political oppression violence and greed is all going to end there will be no tears there will be no pain there will be no disease in the end we will see a full restoration where god makes all things new we see this in isaiah 43:19 and revelation 21:5 i'm not going to go and read them right now a new kingdom will emerge one that is based on equity and equality where we will share in the glorious inheritance of jesus christ and reign with him forever hallelujah that is that is a a more expansive view expanded view of the gospel right that gives a little more of a complete gospel story but you know there's there's something that's missing here right and maybe some of you uh, are thinking about this you know uh, you know and that is um, and what is that what is it that's that's missing right um, you know it um, it's about what happens you see you've got redemption and then you've got restoration now when does redemption happen hmm what's that well, when does redemption happen in your life or my life when you believe right so it's something that happened in the past when does restoration happen in the future okay what's missing what's missing is the present right the here and now so if we leave it's important this is a, this is somewhat uh, a very important part of the entire story right so there's there's that piece that's missing from this sort of four four section of four chapter if you want to think of it that way right um and and that is what happens between the redemption and the restoration leaving this out is a very risky thing because you know uh what happens is that 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 aspect of sanctification doesn't occur in our thinking okay this is why there are many or we come across many in in our churches today or in all churches where we don't see any growth in their life right or or they don't see the need to grow they're like you know i got saved or or as one apachan that i knew back in kerala said you know passport kitti ini endina ingane jeevichittu kaaryam onnallo he already got his passport to heaven right he didn't need to live anymore okay that's that's the gospel that's missing that one little piece right so they 
they live either in ignorance or in delusion. You know, and so I want to introduce another piece which is what we call renewal, right? This is the entire gospel story. This is the story, you know, the story of scripture is not complete over here, right? It's not complete because much of the scripture, actually, if you look at almost the entire New Testament is talking about renewal. And it's important we understand this distinction. Okay, it has to do with the here and the now, the work of the gospel to transform us into the image of Christ. This is what we call sanctification. This is the entire gospel and we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail. You know, but, but um, uh, you know, uh, there's three aspects of the gospel, okay? The gospel, you know, or the or salvation rather, three aspects of salvation. You know, one is what we call justification, which is associated with, you know, redemption. And then there is glorification, which is associated with the restoration that comes in the, in the future. But the middle part, what we call renewal or transformation, uh, is uh, is what we call sanctification, right? And I'm going to spend a little bit of time uh, on that in a few minutes, but before that, I just want to show you how the whole counsel of God fit into this narrative, okay? So, you know, uh, you, you won't be able to read all of this, so don't worry about that. So we started off with creation, right? The creation narrative, and then we went into the fall and the flood, right? Uh, the flood was again an outcome of the fall, uh, and then the rest of the, the story uh, is how God chooses a people through whom the promised Savior would come. That's the people of the, the, the lineage of Abraham. And we see many things there that point to the Savior, right? So um, again, you'll get this in the notes later. But, but you have things about the, uh, the, the holiness of God and the nature of God and the commandments and things that are all falling between that fall and the redemption in terms of timeline, right? And then... Um, then we come to, uh, of course, there's, um, there, there are some elements of, uh, in the Old Testament, like some of the wisdom literature, the suffering of Job, and things like that, that we studied, that actually fall more into the renewal part, a bit of an exception there. And then, you know, we have the, the prophets, right? Uh, Micah and Isaiah and all of these. And by the way, these are all the lessons that we had, okay? Every one of the 52 lessons will show up on the slide by the time I'm done. Um, you know, and then it, uh, some of the, this, this, these lessons, they, they come into that redemption, uh, you know, the realm of redemption and the, 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 the death of Christ because they are foretelling that through the prophet Isaiah, the suffering servant and all of those things. And then, you know, we come to the actual, the New Testament and the Gospels and then, you know, the bulk of the rest of the New Testament is all about that renewal, right? And then we have the, uh, the lessons... Um, on the rapture and things like that. So, so this is just to show you that everything we've studied falls pretty much into this framework, right? With, with sort of, uh, you can think of it as a play with five acts, right? The act of creation and the fall and redemption and renewal and, and restoration, okay? So, uh, so with that, I just want to spend the rest of our time here, the next 10 minutes or so, on this topic of gospel renewal and transformation, you know? So wh what is this about, right? What is gospel renewal and transformation, right? So, so what it is is that Jesus, you see, when Jesus came to the world, when he died, he inaugurated the, his, the kingdom of God on earth, right? But he hasn't yet returned. He's going to come back someday to actually establish that kingdom. And now the kingdom of God is in spiritual form. So we live in this period, uh, and, and, and some folks call it the already and the not yet. Okay, we are already saved, but we are not yet 
saved. We are already justified, but we are not yet glorified, right? And uh, the Holy Spirit during this period is supposed to be working or is working in our hearts as we participate in God's work and we actively surrender to God's work in specific areas of our life. So we have a part to play in this phase, right? The Holy Spirit is working in us. God is giving us the power and we have a part to play. We are objects of God's love and renewal. God is working in us to, to showing his love for us. He is renewing us daily. But but this process is a very slow process. You know, it's not one of those that just sort of goes up in a, in a straight diagonal line, right? It sort of goes in a zigzag, right? But what you want to see is that over time, that zigzag is moving upwards, you know, towards Christ-likeness. Um, and um, uh, it's a slow process. It's a difficult process. It has many ups and downs. But, the, but it trends, trends towards producing increasing maturity and Christ-likeness in our life. And not only are we recipients of God's renewing work, but we are also the agents of God's love and renewal to the world. You know, our mission, God has given us a mission during this period of renewal to renew the world. You know, we are to take the gospel to them. We are to show by our life, you know, what a transformed life looks like. You know, it's not enough to stop at saying, you know, at justification and letting people know that, you know, all you got to do is believe and you're saved. You know, no, it doesn't stop there. The work of God has to continue in your life. And I'll talk more about this. Okay, and we do this through gospel proclamation as well as gospel transformation in our own lives and in the lives of, you know, people that are around us, right? So, so this concept, you know, there are, of gospel renewal, um, you know, two, two points I want to make here. Oh, it's very small. Okay. Those who are justified will go through a process of sanctification or renewal. Okay. And I'm going to read a few verses here uh, from Colossians 1, if you can turn there. Okay. Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Okay. So it's very clear from scripture that, that those who are justified will go through a process of sanctification or renewal. All right, so uh, Colossians 1 verse 5 and 6 says, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard. So he's talking here to the Colossian believers. He said, you've already heard the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way. Okay, listen to this. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing through the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. So he's saying you heard the gospel, you got saved, but guess what? The gospel is today doing what? It is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you. This is a normal thing. After you get saved, the gospel continues to work in our hearts. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will Completed. You know, the work begins. You know, the work, the, the positionally salvation, redemption, justification is complete, you know, when we trust in Christ. But it is actually the beginning of the work of sanctification. And Paul says, I'm confident that he, that is God, who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When does this end? On the day of Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known but okay, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Okay, That is renewal. I am not like Christ today but when he appears, I am going to be like him. 
right that's the hope of renewal for we shall see him as he is okay and look look at this the last part of that verse first john 3 verse 3 or who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure okay so what do we have to do today we have to purify ourselves second corinthians 4:16 therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day so the power of our sanctification comes from our justification this is an important point okay i'm not going to go there but if you go back um, read romans chapter 6 verses 5 to 14 okay paul is going back to salvation he's talking about how you've been baptized into christ and you have died with christ and is no longer you who live and all these things and he says that you know that that we are to um you know we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to god right so he's hearkening us back he's saying you know the way that you get sanctified the way is by is by remembering reckoning considering you know that i am dead in christ you know why do we come here and 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 partake of this this is not some ritual okay a lot of people every religion has got rituals okay the reason here is to remind me and and this reminder should prompt me to you know to uh to live my life differently okay the fact that i am a child of god and that realization that remembrance should prompt me to live my life differently to purify my life you know i remember i'll just use this example this personal example um you know my mother you all know her uh, uh fondly known as amachi you know she's a she's a woman of prayer you know and and when i was a kid growing up i could always see her she would literally spend i don't know 3 hours every morning sitting down there and just praying praying on the floor right and and i left home when i was 15 years old okay um left home went to boarding school in another country and long story we won't go there but but you know i could have easily gone off and done a lot of things and nobody would have known about it right but the one thing that i kept that kept coming back to me that was in my mind you know whenever i faced any temptation was that thought of my mother sitting there praying and knowing what it would do to her okay uh if i went down the wrong path all right now what what was happening there is that reality you know of the love of my mother and what what her desire was was prompting me to stay away from doing certain things okay and that's the way it should be with us as salvage as 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 believers you know we have to remember you know if when you are faced with that temptation when you are faced with that choice you know your identity is in christ remember you know i am a child of god you know think how it's going to break the heart of god if i go and do this thing that goes against his word that that goes against his nature the sin if i commit the sin and when we keep doing that and there's a there's a another aspect of this which is that sanctification is is salvation from the power of sin right so so as you do that again and again and again you are getting freedom from the power of sin in your life you don't have to give in to it why because you are dead in christ i don't have to uh, you know give in to the sin i don't have to give in to this urge i do not why because Christ died for me because I am a child of God because I'm reckoning myself I'm considering myself dead to sin because of what Christ has did for me. and when you when I do that what happens is though sin continues to have an effect in my life because of my fleshly body you know because of my doubting minds and because of the temptation of the world it can no longer have dominion over us 
can no longer have dominion over me. And this is the ongoing, the, the, the work of the Spirit in our life advancing in us and the power of sin is minimized. It should be minimized day by day by day and we are being made more like Christ every day. That is the concept of the renewing work of the gospel and that work needs to be happening in the life of every believer and if you are a believer, go back to the first point, those who are justified will go through a process of sanctification and renewal and I'll tell you this, you know, as scary as it might be, if, if, if there is no evidence of renewal in your life, you know, it is time to step back and ask yourself, you know, am I really justified? Am I really redeemed? I want to talk about two things, okay? Faith and repentance, which are the key to renewal. So the first verse here is Colossians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. So uh, these are two keys. There are many things we could talk about, but I'll just dwell on these and then uh, we'll, we'll end in the next uh, few minutes. Uh, Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Yeah, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay. So there's two parts here. The first one is faith. So he says, set your mind on things above. Okay. Things that you cannot see. Why is, why is this talking about faith? Because this requires faith. He said, set your mind on the future hope. Okay, the future hope gives us faith and motivation to live a pure life today. So faith comes by rooting our identity in Christ. Faith is a gift from God to help us set our minds on things above. Okay, the second part of this is repentance. So go back to the same uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3. And so what does he say? Okay, now that if you have this faith put to death, therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Okay, you are to put off all these things, right? And that's, that's the repentance part uh, you know, repentance as the key. So what are we to do? We are to confess the sins. We are to turn away from sins. We are to turn away from the idols of the heart. And we are to pursue God. We are to sorrow over sin. You know, Second Corinthians 7.10 says that godly sorrow produces repentance. You know, if you are not every day confessing your sins and repenting, and sometimes we can get tired of repenting, but you got to keep doing it. Repent, repent, repent. Right? Repent genuinely with godly sorrow. If you are, and the way you know when somebody has sinned, whether they are genuine or not, is, you know, and if people get, people get uh, sorrow because they got caught or because of some damage they've done to somebody or because they've made their parents upset or, or whatever, right? That's not godly sorrow. You know, godly sorrow produces repentance. It produces change. It produces a turning away from the sin. But if you are not repenting daily, then you are not going to grow. You are not going to be transformed. Okay? So that's the, the key thing there. And uh, just in closing, I want to just show you how you can apply this framework. So you see how, uh, you know, I, I just hope that everybody really understands the importance of renewal. That's where we are today. right? And that's what we need to be focused on. 
you know the gospel needs to be working in our lives right so the the beautiful thing about this framework is that you can apply it to every situation in your life and there's a there's a few questions there to ask right so when you look at things like your work or your marriage or your you know emotional issues that you're facing you can always go back to this framework and i'll just show you very quickly and there's there's five questions you can ask right you can look at it from the angle of creation and ask how did god design us to live okay secondly how did we when it comes to the fall why do we not live like we were meant to live okay when it comes to redemption how has jesus already begun to address this issue okay in renewal how can we partner with the holy spirit now to address this issue and then restoration as a result of jesus work what can we expect will happen and i'm going to just quickly take you through a couple of examples take the subject of work okay so let's go back how did god design us to live okay so um, you know god um, yeah god created work right he found satisfaction in his work we were created to work he he gave adam and eve the you know put them in the garden and he said you till the land and and uh, you know and and produce fruit out of it right so a question we can ask ourselves is how does my work connect me with god's original creation plan for humanity you know how am I, how am i benefiting uh, others right by my work but then you come to the fall and you ask why do we not live why is my work so let's say you're facing some you know major issues at work and dissatisfaction you know why is it that way because work was cursed because of the fall it became tough it became adversarial and and we need to ask ourselves you know how is my work making me aware of my brokenness and the brokenness of the world around you when you're going through through problems at work problems with coworkers you know think about the fact that we are in a broken world right it helps you to understand that better okay how has jesus already began to address this issue you know work was redeemed by christ's sacrifice right jesus redeemed work and how does the work of christ give you healing and hope for your own brokenness and that of the world around you and then renewal what are we to do we are agents of god's renewal through our work right god wants us to work in such a way that we become agents of renewal that we show others what it means to be to to renew back that purpose that god had for work we are to work as unto the lord we are to be salt and light to our workers people around us right and ask yourself this how are you able to love and serve others through your work and then of course what's going to happen ultimately is as a result of jesus work when he restores it when he restores all of creation the original mandate of ruling over creation through our work is restored in the kingdom you know so how do you connect your work here to the longing for a perfect world that christ will bring when he comes again you see we are to approach problems that work very differently you know the person with a renewed mind doesn't look at it the same way because we have this full understanding that it was god who created work it was god who made us workers right and why is why 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 do we have all this difficulties because of the fall but what has jesus done you know jesus when he redeemed me he also redeemed the concept of work and he expects me to renew my own attitude and work as unto the lord right faithfully doing the best job i can do being a witness where i am showing how you know through my difference uh you know the redemptive qualities in my attitude drawing others to his work of redemption right and looking forward to the day when christ will uh come and restore everything to the way they were so look at look at one more thing uh, loneliness okay uh 
so the concept of loneliness you know how you know how did god design us to live you know maybe some of you are going through this problem of loneliness in your life you know god created us to be in community in a relationship adam was lonely god brought eve into his life you know wanting to be with others wanting to not be lonely is from the lord from god right god exists in trinity now what happened at the fall it caused conflict that le- leads to broken relationship you know and we need to ask ourselves how has my sin or the sin of others toward me contributed to my loneliness and what did christ do uh, at redemption christ loved us to the point of death and being forsaken he was the, the greatest loneliness anyone ever faced in the history of the world is is jesus crying there my god my god why hast thou forsaken me jesus you know took on that loneliness right you know and and to the point of being forsaken himself to enter into a relationship with me he took on our loneliness and you know how do we get renewed you know because we have christ as the perfect high priest who has experienced our loneliness and can comfort us he indwells us through the holy spirit and he has not only that but he has connected us to a new family and that family is the church you know the church is where you find the answer to loneliness christ is where you find the answer to loneliness and you know when we look forward to the restoration you know we're going to physically be with christ the, for all of eternity enjoying his love for the ones that he has redeemed you know so you can apply this framework and i had something on marriage but i'm out of time so i'll skip it you can we'll send you the slides so let me just close with this okay this is um uh, I, i think this is a beautiful way to look at life and you can see how all of this ties back to what the word of god is about about the gospel right so let me ask you this is the word of god you know is it working in your life the word of god the gospel of jesus christ is it working in your life you know hebrews 4:12 says that the let me just read that in closing uh hebrews 4 and verse 12 for the word of god is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart and there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account you know is the word of god piercing your soul and spirit you know are you being transformed daily You know in 2 Corinthians 3:16 18 says that we are being moved we are moving daily from glory to glory into the glory of Christ our Lord is that what's happening in your life you know are you feeding your mind with the word of God because that is what renews you it's it's the entire gospel from from creation all the way to restoration are you feeding your mind with the word of God and being transformed daily you know it's not enough that you can point to some decision that you made or you walked down some aisle or you said a prayer in sunday school you know that does not save you you know if there is no transformation happening in your life you need to go back and ask yourself is that real you know if you have no desire to grow in the lord you got to ask yourself is that real god did not save us just to give us a ticket to heaven that is that is a incomplete gospel he saved us to renew us and transform us into the image of his son and if you look at your life and that's not what's going on then either either 
you know, you are, you are uh, either you are not saved or perhaps you are saved but you are not doing your part to ensure that transformation in your life. You need to return back to the word of God. And if you are not saved, just by doing that, the word of God will convict you and bring you back to the foot of the cross. So I just want to encourage all of you today. You know, we've spent 16 months going through the word of God. You know, we've studied in depth. We've studied from way up here. Uh, but, you know, we need to understand this is all part of God's story for you and for me. It is God reaching out to us. It is God wanting to be in that relationship with us, not just to save us so that he'll have a bunch of people to take to heaven, but so that he can save us and then transform us and make us more like his son. And that's what we need to be praying for. May God enable us to experience that in our lives. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercies. We want to thank you, Father, that you have saved us and that you are transforming us. And I just want to pray, Lord, that that we may each experience the transforming power of your word in our lives daily, Lord. We pray that we may have a love for your word, Father. Even as we have studied um, for the last year and a half, Lord, and gone through it, we pray that this may whet our appetites, Lord, to go deeper. For it is only in studying your word, it is only in going into your word that we can experience the transformation, the transforming power of your gospel, Father. We just give you all glory and praise and thank you again. And I want to pray for every person here. If there's anybody here, Lord, who doesn't know you, who is not truly saved, who has not been redeemed, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them even at this moment and, and may they get on that road of transformation into becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We just give you all glory and praise and adoration. Thank you, Father, in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.